Welcome to Uncaged. Uncaged. A show celebrating thought leadership from today's top business leaders. The program provides a voice to amazing executives from around the globe who are shaping the world of business today and mapping the path to the world of commerce tomorrow. And now, please welcome our host, Bant Breen, as we begin another Uncaged episode. Today, we're speaking with John Glensky. Hey, John, how are you? Hey, Ben, I'm doing good. Thank you. Uh, I'm excited to have you on the show, John. You work in an area where it's getting a lot of focus right now, and and, uh, certainly we'll get into it. John is the president of Automation Plus. He's also a board member of the Plus Group of Companies. He is an expert on advanced manufacturing systems, really where technology and manufacturing comes together. And that is a central topic as we try to reinvent America right now. And so I'm excited to hear what John's uh, uh, working on and, and, and really where, where the, the key things are that Automation Plus wants, to, wants to, us to all focus on. But before we get there, tell us a little bit about your background, John, and, and how, you, how you've ended up uh, working in this area. No, thanks, Brent. And uh, certainly, so, you know, it's a little different path than some. I actually grew up in South Dakota and, uh, you know, the technology there was a little different than uh, I think somewhere else in the world. But, uh, you know, from the beginning, I was the youngest of nine. And so I was always kind of following in my brother's footsteps and was really interested in the engineering side of things, you know, like lots of kids had Legos and, you know, really got into those and really wanted to solve puzzles. You know, and so as I went through school, I kind of was bouncing around trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Ended up going to school in Ohio, which is how I ended up in Cincinnati. And, you know, got into school, was really interested in computer science, computer engineering. And uh, it's kind of funny, you know, I took my first computer engineering class, my second half of my freshman year, and I hated it. I got in there. I didn't enjoy it. It was in, you know, it was kind of that you know, accommodating to college, you know, learning the difference between that and how high school was. And I thought it was horrible. So I ended up dropping the class and I would forget. I called my parents and I said, I don't think this uh, computer engineering thing is for me. And they said, well, that's fine. But, uh, you know, you got a thousand dollar scholarship for it. So you better figure out a way to make up that money. And so I go into the, uh, the dean's office and they said, well, you can transfer to electrical and you can keep that scholarship because it's in the same pool of money. And so that's how I became an electrical engineer. And uh, that's where my education took me. And the funny thing is, after school, I became a controls engineer at a factory, right? Keeping the equipment running, putting in new systems, and and basically doing programming every day. So I always kind of laugh that, uh, you know, my first experience in college got me out of it. But then uh, the industry and the the discipline brought me back and and my whole career. Yeah, it literally pulls you back into, right. into it. Yeah, I, I, I find a lot of people actually say that sometimes about how, especially I think when, when you and I would have probably gone to college, you know, the way computer science was taught was perhaps less conducive to people feeling the impact and very theoretical. Right. And, and uh, that's, I, you know, let's, let's just hope, knock on wood, that that's changing today, John, for sure. But tell me more now about what you guys are working at at Automation Plus. Yeah, no, it's um, it, it's exciting times. And I think, you know, as you look at manufacturing, so what we do is professional consulting. 
for industrial manufacturing, right? And we focus on the automation side of that equation within Automation Plus, and then our sister Plus Group companies do the engineering and, and the construction services for industrial manufacturing. And so, you know, what we get into now a lot is digitally transforming factories, right? Taking legacy manufacturing facilities and, and really updating them for the modern smart factory, right? I'm sure many of your listeners have heard of the Internet of Things, Industry 4.0, digitalization, all of those things that are really impacting, you know, manufacturing in the world in general. And so what we do is we go in, we analyze, we optimize. We can provide those services to provide programming, design, you know, material handling, robotics. How can we transform our clients' business in the industrial manufacturing sector and, and take them into the future? And, you know, it's interesting. A lot of people, I think, you know, we're probably around the same age in terms of how we grew up. There was a lot of that negativity, I think, towards manufacturing. And, and it certainly is well-founded. There's a lot of offshoring in the 90s. But now, you know, things are coming back. And, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day on a call and, you know, the U.S. is the second largest manufacturer in the world. Right. Normally you don't uh, tout yourself when you get the silver medal, but it's a lot of business. It's a lot of work and it's a lot of lives that manufacturing supports. And so I think, you know, our capability and our team that goes in there and really works with these factories to to bring them into the future is, is going to pay benefits, not only obviously for us as a business, but I think for um, society and, and, and the country at large. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's a great point. And I also would say that what we, what I've certainly experienced over the last several years is that it's not, it, it, the discussion that was happening in the 80s and 90s that led to this massive offshoring outsourcing model was flawed really because of its extremity of thinking. You know, it's not that internationalization of goods and services or creation is wrong, but but certainly as we've seen in COVID, when suddenly you can't even have a microchip or you can't have a part and suddenly, you know, things can't be be made anymore, you have a, a real problem. And so there, there is, a, I would say, and I, I'm curious if you're feeling it, there's a tremendous excitement about manufacturing now as we rethink some of these, these areas and maybe come up with a, a modified, evolved solution. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I think, you know, there was that push for just-in-time, reduce inventory, and it works great when you don't have disruptions. And I think if anything COVID taught us is it was the great disruptor. Right. Not only from how people work, how people interact, how you buy your groceries. I mean, all the way through the manufacturing process. And so you've, you've got to reevaluate now, especially if you look at your business as a manufacturer, what are those critical components that maybe you need to carry some stock of? Right. The chips is a good example. It shut down the automakers. We've got a client of ours who had their production impacted by the Texas freeze. Because then their suppliers weren't able to make some plastic components. And so how do you balance that, you know, with this drive, especially in the public companies for that shareholder return, right? And I think that's a real discussion going on in a lot of boardrooms, I'm sure, of the larger companies to, to be able to address that. And because you want to have that shareholder return, but at the same time, you got to be able to have product to sell to your clients. So the one thing that when I think of manufacturing is that 
at the end of the day, if you're going to make something, you need a place to make it and you need people to make it. And so that means people are going into offices. And I can only imagine that over the last year, you guys have had to think a lot about COVID and how that impacts the workspace. So tell me how this is evolving with some of your clients. Yeah, no, it, it, it's certainly true. You know, in the automation space, I think in the consulting space, you do have some flexibility, right? A lot of what you do is working with clients and you can do that work from an office here in Cincinnati or one of our offices around the U.S. or you can do it from your house, right? And I think COVID taught us that. And so, you know, as we work with our clients, it's very interesting. You know, we work with their corporate teams. It's similar to, I think, a lot of individuals who rent offices and then, you know, you went to work uh, from home and maybe now they're coming back or it's a hybrid model. But the factories, you know, those people never left, right? You can't depart the factory and still make product. So it's really a balancing act, I think, with some of our clients. How do you keep your workplace motivated? How do you keep your morale up when you have half your team who's working from home and half your team who has to be at the factory every day? And so we've kind of helped fit that gap, providing embedded resources and working with our clients to, to help bridge some of those areas. We definitely have received a lot more requests in the last six to nine months. As, as COVID started to really become entrenched for our resources to go to our client sites. And I think some of that has to do with what you discussed there. And I think some of it has to do with just the lack of, of employee talent and resources uh, in our space. I mean, the, the talent discussion is an interesting one because you're absolutely right. I, I think that there were a lot of folks that moved away from manufacturing in early in, in previous decades, but now it seems to be reinventing and, and uh, you know, hopefully some of this money that, that the president is pushing will come your way, John. Right. And, uh, and, and I mean, is that something that's drawing excitement in the manufacturing space as there seems to be a, a new commitment to, to rebuild? Yeah, I, I think so. The one thing we've seen in the last six months is an amazing amount of projects kicking off from our clients or really low in the funnel about to kick off. And so I think, you know, it's twofold, right? You want to have the confidence of projections for the next two, three, five years for whatever you're selling. But then also it's, it's that monetary infusion. And so if you're getting money that you have to spend or there, there's requirements, right, from the feds or whatever it might be, you want to spend it and you see your competition spending it, and you realize they're automated, right? And they're going to drive some efficiency gains, some optimization, some speed to market advantages that if you as that end manufacturer isn't doing as well, then you're going to be at a competitive disadvantage. So I think 100% we're seeing that across all of the industry verticals that we're in uh, from a lot of different clients. I think that Certainly over the next year, you're going to be, you and your organization are going to be, have your hands full with, with a ton of, of activity. And, and that's wonderful. I, I guess what I was trying to get a sense of is what will be the prioritization and, and what are the areas that uh, are of particular interest for folks uh, as, we, as we go forward? No, that makes sense. And I, I think it's, it's kind of threefold, right? We see a lot of our clients who they have mountains of information that they've acquired for their manufacturing processes, but they've never really analyzed it to the point where it can become predictive. So I think one of the big pushes we're seeing out there is 
how can I as a manufacturer take all this information that I have and use it as predictive analysis for my business and my operations, improving quality, improving everything that relates to that manufacturing process. So that's certainly one. I think a second piece is really that optimization of production and, and not so much reducing the workforce, but how do we optimize the workforce with automation or robotics so that it can be the most efficient? So how can I take this package of mine where I'm making a, a product, a bottle of something and, and drive that efficiency so both my human capital can see it and my shareholders can see it. So that's the second piece. And then I think that third piece is expansion and go to market. So we see a lot of clients who are trying to grab market share right now. And a lot of it is by speed to market. So how can I take my existing process, tweak it a little, maybe it's an expansion, maybe it's a new factory and, and grab that market share while right now it's tough for the foreign competition or those outside of the United States to really do that, right? COVID limits the ability for people to travel, limits the ability for that flow of information back and forth to some extent. And, and, and can they act on that now? Um, you know, and the last piece, I mentioned three, but I'll, I'll drop one last one is personalization. So we're seeing a lot of this from the consumer product side is how can I provide that Amazon kit of items, right? That someone's going to buy and it's personalized to them straight from the factory. How can I pass the distributor? How can I pass the Walmarts, the Costco's, the targets of the world and deliver that directly and take that to my bottom line versus through a distributor model where they don't receive that. So those are some of the things that I think we've seen if that kind of more ties in with what you were looking for. Yeah, no, I, I think that all of those areas, certainly I would say the predictive data element is something that probably was a, a trend before COVID and, and I'm imagining that will only accelerate mm -hmm. going forward. I do think that some of those points that you're mentioning at the end are quite interesting those kind of, uh, I don't know what we want to call them, the opportunistic, you know, uh, you know yes. people that are, that are saying, ah, there's a, there's, a, there's a window here for us to, to really build something. I think that's really, really interesting because um, I, I do think there, there is a, a very much of a need right now. And, and you're absolutely right. I think uh, as long as the global, the global ecosystem is not functioning fully, Correct. there's a real need. Um, so that's great. Uh, well, listen, John, it's been great talking to you today about everything that you guys are working on. Uh, John Glensky is the president of Automation Plus. He's also a board member of the Plus group of companies. He is a guru and expert on what's called in advanced manufacturing and really kind of where manufacturing comes together with all forms of, of technology. And he finds himself right now in the middle of of, of, of the hurricane, of, of all the stuff of people rethinking manufacturing in the U.S. Um, John, thank you so much for being on the program today. If someone wanted to find out more about what you're up to, where, where can they get in touch with you? No, thanks, man. I appreciate it. I really appreciate uh, you know, the conversation we had today. To, to reach us, it's pretty simple. It's our website. It's plusgroups.com. And uh, all the information is there. And uh, you know, we'd be happy to talk and uh, keep the conversation going. Great. Well, listen, thanks so much, John, for being on the show today. And I look forward to talking again. Sounds great, Ben. Thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye.